بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدي وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار so i welcome you all to uh, today's uh, reminder inshallah ta'ala and also the uh, iftar the collective iftar and uh, so what we are going to speak about today inshallah ta'ala is some of the wisdoms uh, of fasting of siyam as explained by uh, the sheikh the imam muhammad bin salih al-uthaymin rahimahullahu ta'ala and this is taken from his uh, majalis uh, of ramadan um, there's a, a book published in which he you know every day of ramadan he gives a, a reminder and this particular one <coughs> is on the wisdoms of fasting the sheikh mentions maybe seven or eight wisdoms and benefits of fasting and inshallah ta'ala if we reflect upon these and uh, we understand them and we reflect upon them then inshallah we will get more out of our fasting much more than simply just hunger and thirst because fasting is more than just hunger and thirst so inshallah we'll we'll try to read through as much of this uh, as possible and um uh, we'll begin first of all with with the, the khutbah or the introduction of the sheikh it is very very nice very beautiful a very beautiful introduction and the sheikh begins by saying alhamdulillah alhamdulillah mudabbir al-layali wal ayyam all praise is due to allah who is the controller of the days and the nights the one who controls the days and the nights wa musarrif ash-shuhur wal a'wam and the one who also controls and who turns the months and the years al-malik al-quddus as-salam al-malik the king al-quddus meaning the pure one the one who is pure free of any uh, blemish and as-salam the one who is again perfect the one who is free of any uh, blemishes imperfections things of that nature al-mutafarrid bil'azmati wal-baqa' wal-dawam the one who is unique he is unique allah is unique and singled out in al-azma which is you know grandeur and might wal-baqa' the one who is everlasting wal-dawam again the one who is uh, perpetual everlasting al-mutanazzih 'an al-naqa'is wa mushabahati al-anam the one who is uh, raised and free from any deficiencies and from resembling the creation yara yara ma fi dakhil al-uruq wa bawatin al-'izam he sees what is inside the veins he sees what is inside the veins and what is in the innermost part of the bones now of course we we can't understand this because 
our vision is, is limited, we can only understand the notion of sight based upon what we know and experience. But Allah there is no likeness to him and we are unable to comprehend uh, his names, his attributes. And so as the Shaykh says, see that Allah he sees what is inside the veins and the, inner, the innermost part of the bones. وَيَسْمَعُ خَفِيَّ الصَّوْتِ وَلَطِيفَ الْكَلَامِ he also hears the most hidden voice, the, the, the most hidden voice, and the most subtle of speech. Innahu rahimun kathirul in'am. Indeed, he is merciful, rahim, and one who is kathirul uh, in'am, uh, he bestows tremendous, a great deal of uh, favors and bounties. Warabbun. He's also a Lord who is powerful and very uh, severe in intiqam, in, in revenge, in vengeance. He has decreed all of the affairs and he has made them to run in the most perfect of arrangement. Or the most perfect of organization. He also legislated all of the, the legislations, the commands and prohibitions, and he made them to be precise with, the, the, you know, with, 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 with uh, an excellent uh, precision, in the most precise way. And then he says, that through his power do the winds you know, go into motion and do the clouds move. And also through his wisdom and his mercy do the nights and the days continue you know, one after the other. Ahmaduhu ala jalil sifati wa jamil in'am. I praise him for his lofty attributes and for the beautiful way in which he bestows upon us. And I thank him with the great, with, uh, I am grateful to him and I thank him with the thanks of the one who wants more. Uh, because if you are grateful to Allah, if you are grateful to Allah, Allah will give you more. So Ibn Thaymin is saying, Rahimahullah, that I thank Allah with a, with, with, with a thankfulness, a gratefulness of the one who is seeking al-mazid, seeking more, the one who desires more. وَأَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ I testify that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. الَّذِي لَا تُحِيطُ بِهِ الْعُقُولِ وَالْأَوْهَامِ The one whom the intellects and the imaginations are unable to... Uh, comprehend and I testify that Muhammad is his servant and his messenger the best of the creation and then he says وسلم, so may Allah uh, mention him with the best of mention and grant him peace and uh, protection and safety 
and, and likewise upon his companion Abu Bakr, who is a sabiqu ilal Islam, the one who is like the foremost in Islam. وَعَلَىٰ عُمَرَ الَّذِي إِذَا رَآهُ الشَّيْطَانِ هَامْ And likewise upon Umar, the one whom when shaitan, shaitan sees him, he feels uh, belittled. وَعَلَىٰ عُثْمَانِ الَّذِي جَحَّزَ بِمَالِهِ جَيْشَ الْعُسْرَةِ وَأَقَامِ And likewise upon Uthman, radiallahu anhu, the one who used his wealth in order to fund the, you know, the, the, the army, to establish the army. وَعَلَىٰ عَلِيٍ الْبَحْرِ الْخِدَمِ وَالْأَسَدِ الدِّرْغَامِ And upon Ali, who is the vast ocean and, you know, the lion, the lion. وَعَلَىٰ سَائِرِ آلِهِ وَأَسْحَابِهِ وَالتَّابِئِينَ لَهُمْ بِإِحْسَانِ عَلَىٰ الدَّوَامِ وَسَلَّمَ تَسْلِيمًا And likewise upon all of his family, his companions and the tabi'een who follow them in goodness all the time perpetually and وَسَلَّمَ تَسْلِيمًا and may he protect them and grant them peace. So this is a beautiful uh, uh, introduction, muqaddimah, to the, to, the, uh, to the reminder. And I wanted to go through that because it's, it's beautiful in the Arabic and contains tawheed, uh, Allah's names, Allah's attributes, contains so many things. So after this, the Shaykh begins by saying, Ibadullah, O servants of Allah, I'lamu rahimakumullah, know me Allah have mercy upon you, anna Allah subhanahu lahul hukmu tam, that you should know me, Allah of mercy upon you, that Allah subhanahu, Allah the sublime, to him belongs the, the, the perfect, complete judgment. To Allah belongs all the judgment. And to him belongs wisdom. Wisdom in whatever he created and in whatever he legislated. Right, so uh, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymi rahimullah, he said that Allah Azawajal la yakhluqu illa li hikmatin wa la ya'muru illa li hikmatin that Allah Azawajal does not create anything except due to a wisdom. Uh, there's a wisdom in whatever Allah has created. And he said that he does not command anything except due to a wisdom. So everything in the creation and in the command, the creation is obviously the creation, and the command is whatever Allah has revealed of the books and what they contain of, of commands, orders, prohibitions, so on and so forth. That in either of these two things, Allah does not create or command except due to a wisdom. That means that there is nothing frivolous. There's nothing that is idle or frivolous either in Allah's creation from the created things and beings and their properties and attributes, nor is there anything frivolous without purpose, without wisdom in whatever he has commanded and likewise whatever he has prohibited. So the Shaykh begins by mentioning that uh, particular point. And so therefore, these wisdoms, as the Shaykh will uh, explain, uh, the wisdoms that we see, uh, whether it's the creation or the command, then some of those wisdoms are clearly mentioned in the texts. They're clearly mentioned in the texts. Allah mentions the wisdom uh, behind certain things. Or some of these wisdoms are discovered 
and observed. So we so we discover them, we observe them, and some of the scholars uh, they derive some of the wisdoms from the Sharia, uh, you know, rulings, and they explain them. And there are some wisdoms that are unknown, and they are unknowable. We could we could not know those wisdoms uh, because you know we uh, we we are unable to fathom uh, everything that Allah Azza wa Jal has has revealed on account of wisdoms that he alone knows so the shaykh continues rahimullah and he says fa huwa al-hakim fi khalqihi wa fi shar'ihi he is the all wise in his creation and likewise in his legislation lam yakhluq ibadahu la'iban wa lam yatrukhum suda he did not create his servants out of play out of just a pastime, right? It's not just out of a play or pastime. Nor did he leave them without any purpose, right? So this is a refutation. It's a refutation. Uh, first of all, uh, it's a refutation of the atheists who say that the creation came about just randomly by chance in an unordered, you know, undirected manner. And because of that, therefore, there is no purpose. There is no known purpose uh, to anything or to anybody uh, to your life or to yeah, this is this is what they say and every person of sound intellect knows that this is blatantly false it's, it's totally false you know it just by observation around you of the signs of Allah that there is uh, wisdom there is regularity there is order there is purpose there are connections between things all of this we can see clearly and we experience. So this is clearly a complete and utter uh, falsehood. And um, as, as Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said that he describes the atheist as an ahmaq, a fool, an idiot. Because the atheist uh, considers it acceptable that the creation can come without the creator. So if you are able to accept this, then why can you not accept that the, that creation can come with a creator? Do you understand? It's very, very simple. The atheist is saying that this bottle can come about without a creator. That's the possibility he is giving to explain the creation. So in that case, to say that it came with a creator is even more a possibility. How can you deny that which is a more likely possibility you know, and accept that which is at least, it, it doesn't make any sense. So for that reason, Ibn Taymiyyah describes the atheist as an ahmaq, a fool, uh, an idiot. So here, the creation is neither out of play or jest, nor is it without any purpose. It, it has a purpose. And then the shaykh continues, وَلَمْ يَشْرَعْ لَهُمُ الشَّرَاعِ عَبَثًا so obviously it therefore means that whatever Allah has legislated, it also cannot be just as a play and without any purpose either. Right? So all of what Allah has legislated, there has to be meaning, purpose, wisdom, benefit, all of, the, all of these things are absolutely necessary. Then the Shaykh says, بَلْ خَلَقَهُمْ لِأَمْرٍ عَظِيمٍ He created them for a mighty affair. And he basically, uh, you know, like, like prepared them to receive like a weighty, immense uh, discourse or, or a message. He explained to them the straight path 
وَشَّرَعَ لَهُمُ الشَّرَائِعَ يَزْدَادُ بِهَا إِمَانُهُمْ وَتَقْتَمِلُ بِهَا عِبَادَتُهُمْ And he also legislated for them legislations by which their iman can increase and by which their worship can be perfected. فَمَا مِنْ عِبَادَةٍ شَرَعَهَ اللَّهُ لِعِبَادِهِ إِلَّا لِحِكْمَةٍ بَالِغَةٍ There is no worship that Allah has legislated for his servants except on account of a far-reaching wisdom. عَلِمَهَا مَنْ عَلِمَهَا وَجَهِلَهَا مَنْ جَهِلَهَا He who knows it, knows it, and he who does not know it, does not know it. And then the Shaykh goes on to explain that وَلَيْسَ جَهْلُنَا بِحِكْمَةِ شَيْءٍ مِنَ الْإِبَادَاتِ ذَلِيلًا عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ لَا حِكْمَةَ لَهَا just because we do not know or we are ignorant of the wisdom behind certain acts of worship, this is not now an evidence that there is no wisdom behind them. Rather, this is only an evidence Rather, this is only an evidence of our inability and our shortcoming from being able to comprehend the wisdom of Allah subhanahu and you have not been given of knowledge except a very small amount which is the statement of Allah in Surah Al-Isra then the shaykh continues and he says وَقَدْ شَرَعَ اللَّهُ الْإِبَادَاتِ وَنَظَّمَ الْمُعَامَلَاتِ إِبْتِلَاءً وَامْتِحَانًا لِعِبَادِهِ لِيَتَبَيِّنَ بِذَلِكَ مَنْ كَانَ عَابِدًا لِمَوْلَاهُ مِمَّنْ كَانَ عَابِدًا لِهَوَاهُ So he says, Allah has legislated the acts of worship and he has also arranged all of the dealings between people, right? The dealings of, of marriage and trade and all the interactions that we have with each other. Allah has given them an arrangement and an organization. He has done so in order to test and put his servants to trial, to see and to make them, and to distinguish between the one who is a worshipper of his Lord by way of the ibadat and the mu'amalat and the one who is a follower of his desires. Right? So this is a general wisdom behind the legislation of all of these things. This is a general broad wisdom. Right, the legislation of acts of worship and the legislation of relating to dealings between the people. Right? It is to distinguish between the one who is a worshipper and the one who is a follower of his desires. And then he says that the one who accepts these legislations and these uh, arrangements of, of, of the law with an open chest and with a satisfied soul then he is a worshipper of his Lord. One who is pleased with the Sharia and one who puts the obedience of his Lord in front of the desire of his self. And as for the one, so in contrast, as for the one who does not accept these acts of worship, he does not follow this arrangement or he only follows what suits his own desire and agrees with his own wish then he is a follower of his desire. One who is displeased with the Sharia of Allah. One who turns away from the worship of his Lord. And he has made his desire to be the one that is followed 
rather than the follower. Right? So he's made his desire to be the thing that is followed rather than the thing that should be following, that's the thing that should be doing the following. And he desires, such a person desires that the Sharia of Allah follows his desire alongside the deficiency in his knowledge and the you know, deficiency in his wisdom. So in other words, here the Shaykh is speaking about people uh, who you know, do not with an open chest follow the commands of Allah and the Sharia of Allah. Rather, they pick and choose what agrees with their whims and desires. And also there are some people, while we are on this topic, there are some people also, uh, since we are speaking about the issue of wisdom in Allah's uh, laws and Allah's commands, there are some people who they insist on knowing the wisdom in everything, that this has to make sense to me. And there has to be an intellectual reason. There has to be a rational reason. And if not, then, you know, this, this is now going towards the way of, of the Mu'tazila, uh, the people of uh, the, 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 the Aqlaniyyah, the, the rationalists or the modernists, and who try to uh, make it look as if there has to be a known wisdom before we act upon anything from the Sharia. Right? So what we are saying here, we are saying, that everything that Allah has legislated has a wisdom, whether we know it or we do not know it. And sometimes the wisdom is explained in the texts, sometimes the wisdom can be derived, and sometimes the wisdom may never ever be known. Right? It's not a condition that we have to know the wisdom, and nor is it a condition that we have to try to explain every single ruling just you know, for the sake of, uh, like some people try to do, uh, you know, they, they fall into extremism and exaggeration and they try to find an intellectual, rational justification for, for everything only to, to please and to impress the people of disbelief. And this is now going to, to an extreme in that direction, right? So where we are here, we are in the middle and we are saying that there is a wisdom in everything Allah creates and commands. We may know that wisdom by way of a text we may know that wisdom by way of experience and observation or by derivation or we may never know that wisdom. And if we never know the wisdom, it doesn't mean that we stop acting upon that thing. It's not a condition to know, to, to act upon something that we know the wisdom. So this is a danger that someone might fall into. And in that regard, the Shaykh mentions uh, the verse, the statement of Allah in Surah Al-Mu'minun, that if the truth was to follow their desires, then the heavens and the earth would become corrupt. And likewise, whatever is therein, whoever is therein. Rather, we have given them that in which lies their honor. But they turn away from that. Right? So we have given them, meaning revelation, legislation, which gives them in which lies their honor, but they turn away from that. Right? So the Shaykh continues. So this is like a, a muqaddimah to the, to the topic. The Shaykh continues and says, this again is not specific to fasting, but general wisdom. He says, وَمِنْ حِكْمَةِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ From the wisdom of Allah, the sublime, 
is that he has made the acts of worship to be of many different types. Many different types. In order that he may test the people to see which of them accepts and is pleased. And then he mentions the verse, the statement of Allah Azawajal. That Allah may uh, purify those who believe. That, that he may purify those who believe. The Sheikh explains this point. He says, there are some people who find some acts of worship to be very easy. And he sticks to those easy acts of worship. But there are other acts of worship that maybe he dislikes and he's neglectful of those things. So Allah has made all of the acts of worship. There are so many different types and categories and, and forms so that Allah tests the believer with, with everything so that he can see which of those, which are the people who are going to accept you know, with, with an open heart and be pleased with all of what Allah has, has legislated. Then the Shaykh goes on to explain that uh, the types of worship are of different categories, numerous categories. The first category are those which relate only to the physical body, the badan. Right? These are physical. For example, the salah. The prayer is something that you, it's, it's an action that you do and it involves the body. The second type of acts of worship are those which involve the spending of wealth and property which is beloved to the soul. Right, so this is zakah. Zakah is in relation to the wealth. So there is the body, the physical body, and there is the possessions that you have, which is the wealth. So there are some acts of worship that relate to wealth, right? Zakah, charity, uh, and other things. And then there are some things which relate both to the body and to the spending of wealth together. So for example, Al-Hajj. In Al-Hajj, you spend from your wealth. And you, tie, you, you physically, you, you have to go and you have to make tu'af and sa'i and, and so on and so forth. Right? That's body and wealth. Likewise, jihad. Jihad in the path of Allah. You have to spend to equip yourself. Uh, horse or whatever it might be, weapons. And you have to, the, the physical you know, uh, struggle and effort of the body. So these acts of worship combine both the body and the spending of wealth. And there are some acts of worship which are nothing but pure abandonment. Right? So there's nothing to do. It's pure abandonment, meaning that you refrain from uh, things uh, that you love and you desire. So here, obviously, this is asyam. This is fasting, right? You love food, you love drink, you love uh, relations, pleasures, and this is nothing but pure abandonment, right? So this is another category or type of worship. So the sheikh says, that when the servant establishes all these different types of acts of worship in the desired manner, and he does so without being discontent or without any neglect, and you know uh, he, he spends uh, from his uh, you know uh, from his body, and he becomes tired, and he keeps away from things which his soul desires, then this person has now this is a sign and an evidence of the perfection of his ubudiyah. 
and his compliance and his love of his Lord and his veneration of his Lord. And so therefore this is the person who deserves to be given or to have the title of Al-Ubudiyya. So once all of this is clear, this is basically a muqaddimah from the Shaykh uh, to the main uh, topic. So in this muqaddimah, the Shaykh explained, just to summarize, that everything Allah creates and commands, there is a wisdom in that. We may know the wisdom, we may not know the wisdom. The fact that we don't know a wisdom doesn't mean that you know, we, we, you know, there isn't a wisdom or that we shouldn't act upon this act of worship. Likewise, the Shaykh warns against um, uh, you know, only following that which, you're, that which you desire. Right, and that which you think you know, you, 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 in which you are following, or following, following your hawa. And then the Sheikh explained that the reason why there are so many different acts of worship is that Allah is testing the believers to see those who are going to, you know, uh, meet them with al qubul wa rida, with acceptance, with pleasure, so He can distinguish between the one who uh, is an abd and who establishes the ubudiyah of Allah from the one who is other than that. Right? So from those affairs, obviously, is the, is the issue of as-siyam, of fasting. So now we come to the actual wisdoms of fasting after this uh, muqaddimah. So the first wisdom, the Shaykh says, وَمِنْ hikam is siyam From the first of the, of the wisdoms of fasting, أَنَّهُ عِبَادَةٌ لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى يَتَقَرَّبُ الْعَبْدُ فِيهَا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِ from the first of these wisdoms is that it is an act of worship of Allah the Most High by which a servant seeks nearness to his Lord. Right, so what's the first wisdom? It is at-taqarrubu ilallah. It is to seek nearness to Allah by way of this fasting. What does the servant do? He abandons the things which he loves. He abandons the things which he desires of ta'am, sharab, nikah, of uh, food, of uh, of food, of drink, of uh, marital relations, and as a result of his abandonment of these things, the truthfulness of his iman becomes apparent. Right? This is a test of the truthfulness of his iman and the perfection of his servitude, and the strength of his love of Allah and his hope in Allah. And his hope for that which is with Allah. If you don't mind squeezing up, inshallah, uh, to make more space uh, for people at the back, try to uh, squeeze, inshallah. There are more people coming in. Uh, so, Jazakumullah khairan. So, as the Shaykh said, the first wisdom is to seek nearness to Allah, and uh, it is a sign of a servant's truthfulness. And the Shaykh goes on to elaborate upon this. He says that we know that a person does not abandon something that is beloved to him except for that which is even greater than it. Right? So in other words, we do not abandon food, drink, relations, which are all things that are beloved, we love them, we desire them. We do not abandon these things except for that which is even greater. And that is the pleasure of Allah and the love of Allah and it's for this reason that we abandon 
these shahawat which are uh, uh, you know majbula they are they are ingrained within us they are, they are part and parcel of us you know allah has made them to be part and parcel of 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 uh, of being you know uh, a human and insan that we have these desires but a person puts the pleasure of allah against his own desire and um, you know against the pleasure of his soul and he leaves that for the sake of allah and that's why the shaykh says that there are many many believers that if you were to take a believer tie him up beat him thrash him and force him and tell him to break his fast he would not do it without any he would not do it right this is this is what you find that you were not willing to to break your fast because this is a secret between you and your lord and you are you are seeking to uh, please allah you've abandoned all these things even to the point that if you were beaten to break your fast there are many many believers who would withhold from that and they would never break their fast right and this is a sign that of their truthfulness of sidq and seeking nearness to allah and so this really is the very first wisdom behind the legislation of fasting it is seeking nearness to allah the second wisdom the Shaykh Rahimahullah mentions Wamin Hikamisiyam Annahu Sababun Littaqwa. The second wisdom is that fasting is a means to a taqwa. Fasting is a means to a taqwa, to fearing Allah and to being pious. The verse in Surah Al Baqarah, Ya Yuhalladina Amanu, Kutiba Alikumusiyam. O you who believe, fasting has been prescribed upon you as it was prescribed upon those before you in order that you may become pious. That you may become pious. So the Shaykh says that the fasting person, the one who is fasting, so while you are fasting, you are commanded to do actions of obedience and to abandon actions of disobedience. In other words, yes, we are commanded to fast, but we are also commanded while we are fasting. So while we are fasting, we are commanded with acts of obedience and we are prohibited from acts of disobedience. This is why fasting is not just leaving drink, food and sexual relations. Right? It is more than that. And that's why the Messenger of Allah he said, The one who does not leave false speech or false witness and acting upon it, a false testimony, false witness and acting upon it, and, and, and just general uh, ignorance, then Allah is not in need that he should abandon his food or his drink. Right? So fasting is not leaving food and drink. Right? It is abandoning frivolity, anything which, which is jahl, which, you know, uh, frivolity, idle speech, uh, false speech, vain speech, and, uh, you know, many, many other things. The Sheikh also says, when the, when the fasting person is engaged in fasting 
then every time he thinks of doing an act of obedience or he thinks of a, of, of, of a disobedience, sorry, then he remembers that he is fasting and he withholds from it. And we all know, we experience this ourselves, that when you are fasting, you have uh, uh, y- y- your conscience, you are more aware, you are more alert of... Uh, you know, uh, things that might that might entail sin by way of certain thoughts that you might have, for example. Uh, it could be jealousy. It could be, um, you know, it could be a lawful way of fulfilling a desire that comes to your mind. And because you are fasting, you, you expel it from your mind. We all know and we experience this, that this is what fasting does. Right? Fasting, it makes you become more pious and more righteous because you are more aware of, um, you know, that, that um, of your Lord and that you have given up drink and food and other things, which only, I mean, you could in secret, you could go and drink, you could go and eat, you could do whatever. And you know, this is a secret between you and Lord, but you do not do that. You do not do that. And so that knowledge and that feeling also makes you more aware of falling into other, you know, things which, which are sin or which are in fact lawful but you cannot do them while you are fasting and this is why the Prophet ﷺ, he ordered the fasting person that when you are fasting and someone comes and he reviles you he abuses you he speaks ill of you then the Prophet ﷺ, he said he said that you should say to this person inni sa'im indeed I am a man who is fasting. Right? So you do not respond and you simply say, look, I am fasting and, um, you know, I, I, I withhold from evil speech, from, from reviling, from evil speech. I'm not going to do what you are doing because I am fasting. Right? So this now, the second benefit is that fasting reminds you, makes you aware that, you, that obviously you are in a state of fasting and it makes you more aware of that which is prohibited, that which is unlawful, of, of statements, feelings, actions, and you keep away from it. Right? So this is the second benefit of fasting. Fasting makes you more pious, more righteous, makes you fear Allah, and obviously it also makes you closer to Allah, which is the first wisdom. The third benefit, or the third wisdom in fasting, the Shaykh says, وَمِنْ حِكَمِ السِّيَامِ أَنَّ الْقَلْبِ يَتَخَلَّى The third wisdom is behind fasting is that your heart becomes um, uh, empty and vacant, allowing it to think and reflect and to remember. Right? So the third wisdom behind, behind fasting is to free the heart to remove the heart from any preoccupation so that it can think and reflect and remember and this is because as the shaykh says he says this is because when a person pursues the desires, the desires of food, the desires of drink, the desires of pleasures, it is something that makes a person generally become heedless, 
you become forgetful it diverts you, diverts you away and it also blinds you from the truth right so consuming food has an actual physical effect upon the heart and that's why the messenger of allah sallam he said in the hadith well known hadith that the son of adam does not fill a container more evil than the stomach there is no container that the son of adam fills more evil than the stomach sufficient is it for the son of adam to take a few morsels by which he keeps his back straight by which he keeps his strength and vitality and if he wants to if there's no escape then let him take a third of food a third for his drink and a third empty for breathing all right so this is the prophetic guidance in how a person should be consuming food right a third for food a third for drink and a third left for uh, basically uh, breathing and so the point being here and, and in fact there are many other narrations that we have that we'll mention inshallah maybe towards the end uh, from from the, the the salaf and the sahaba about food itself and how food and gluttony and greed is something that has an actual physical effect upon the heart and the intellect upon the heart and and the intellect and and the mind an actual physical effect we'll mention those narrations at the end inshallah ta'ala so the third benefit is that by not by freeing the body of from digestion and you know having to use its own resources the heart is freed and the other faculties are freed to be able to think more clearly and to reflect more clearly and to be able to remember make dhikr right this this uh, it's a cleaning up of of the mind and the heart and making it unoccupied and as we saw in the hadith the worst container that can be filled is the stomach and inshallah we'll speak about that towards the towards the end inshallah ta'ala with more narrations from from the salaf likewise the shaykh mentions the hadith of uh, hanzala al-usayyidi and he used to be one of the scribes of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and so he said he came to the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he said he said nafaqa hanzala hanzala has become a hypocrite and the messenger of allah sallam said wa ma that what what do you mean how is that so hanzala said o messenger of allah when we are with you when we are in your presence you remind us of the hellfire you remind us of paradise until it's as if we can actually see them with our eyes you describe them in such a way that it is as if we can actually see them yet when we leave you and we then go back to our families then we you know we we play around with the families and we you know engage in uh, frivolities and things like this and then we forget much of what you mentioned to us so in other words the, the shahid from this hadith and from mentioning this hadith is to show that only when we fast do we realize that outside of fasting we are engaged in many things that you know that divert us from allah's remembrance from allah's dhikr and from preoccupation in things from from frivolities and 
you know, uh, excessiveness in food and excessiveness in mixing and excessiveness in this and that and whatever. And we don't realize that these things are actually a distraction. And, and fasting is something that, that makes us aware of that, right? So uh, the Sheikh then also mentions uh, the statement of Abu Suleiman al-Dharani who said, Inna nafs idha ja'at wa atishat safa al-qalbu so he says, indeed, the soul, when it is hungry and thirsty, when you experience hunger and thirst, then the, soul, the heart becomes pure and it becomes soft and gentle. And when the soul is full, meaning satiated with food and drink, then the heart becomes blind. The heart becomes blind. So there are many, many narrations from the Salaf and from the companions that speak about food and uh, how going hungry is something that sharpens the mind, sharpens the intellect, the heart, and it also cleanses and purifies the body. And shall we look at those narrations uh, towards the end? So that is the third Benefit. First one, At-Taqarrub ilallah. Second, At-Taqwa, piety. Third one is to free the heart from all other preoccupations, to cleanse it, to free it, to be able to reflect and make dhikr and to think. The fourth benefit, or the fourth wisdom, sorry, the fourth wisdom behind fasting is so that the rich person, An-Nal-Ghani, that the rich person he knows the true extent of the favor and the bounty of Allah upon him in that Allah has given him food given him drink given him you know marriage to 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 uh, to enjoy Yet Allah has prevented many of the creation from these things. And we know these things, we experience these things, we see these, see these things in many countries, in many nations. There is famine, there is poverty, there is war, there is a breakdown of society. And they do not have food, clean water, unable to get married because they don't have the means of subsistence. So fasting, when we fast and we give up these things of drink and food and we keep away from relations, then we truly appreciate the favor and the bounty of Allah in giving these things to us. Because many of the creation have been prohibited and prevented from these things, obviously out of uh, wisdom from Allah, out of uh, purposes and goals and far-reaching wisdoms. But this is a reminder for us that we remember our brother Muslim, our Muslim brother, Muslim sister, who is faqir, who is poor, who is needy, who is hungry. And, you know, um, so for that reason, it draws a person to, first of all, remember the bounty of Allah. And secondly, it draws him to become more generous in charity, to become more generous. Right. So these two things are connected. You recognize the bounty of Allah. So therefore, you become more generous. And so this is why the Messenger of Allah uh, 
the Shaykh mentions the hadith وَلِذَلِكَ كَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ أَجْوَدَ النَّاسِ وَكَانَ أَجْوَدَ مَا يَكُونُ فِي رَمَضَانِ حِينَ يَلْقَاهُ جِبْرِيلُ فَيُذَارِسُهُ الْقُرْآنِ that the Prophet was the most uh, generous of of people in general most generous and then he was even more generous or most generous in Ramadan when Jibreel used to come to him to revise the Quran with him right so this is wisdom number four it is to recognize the favors and the bounties of Allah and to be grateful and to become generous in charity and to give to the poor and to the needy and to the ones who are in poverty the fifth benefit behind fasting وَمِنْ حِكَمِ السِّيَامِ التَّمَرُّنُ عَلَى ضَبْتِ النَّفْسِ وَالسَّيْطَرَةِ عَلَيْهَا وَالْقُوَّةُ عَلَى الْإِمْسَاكِ بِزَمَامِهَا The fifth wisdom behind fasting is as an exercise to make the soul to be precise and to take control over the soul and to hold with strength the reins of the soul the reins of the soul right so basically it's instead of the soul controlling you it's for you to dominate and to control the soul because as we said the soul has been created naturally inclined towards things like food and drink and pleasures it's just part and parcel of being a human and if that is left it's like it's like a horse if there are no reins on the horse to hold on to the horse is going to wander here there everywhere right so fasting is like the reins placed on the horse it's like the reins placed on the soul and so fasting is a means by which you subdue control dominate and regulate the soul so that you know your 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 soul now is is controlled refined precise and then you can direct it to whichever way you know in whichever way lies pleasure and happiness right so this is the fifth wisdom reason behind fasting and this is because we know that the soul there are aspects to the soul there's an aspect to the soul that commands you to evil there's an aspect of the soul which which commands you to good there's an aspect of the soul which reproaches and blames itself it's like the conscience it blames itself these are aspects of the soul and because there is a part to the soul that incites you uh, to to pleasures desires to evil then fasting is an opportunity or is the, the reason behind it one of the reasons or wisdoms is to tame and to control uh, the soul and uh, the Sheikh goes on to say that um, yeah, this is the, the, the fifth uh, wisdom. And the sixth wisdom is the Sheikh says, وَمِنْ حِكَمِ السِّيَامِ He says, كَسْرُ النَّفْسِ وَالْحَدِّ مِنْ كِبْرِيَائِهَا حَتَّى تَخْضَعَ لِلْحَقِّ وَتَلِينُ لِلْخَلْقِ So this is similar to the, to the previous one. He says that the sixth reason of the wisdom is to break the soul and to break its arrogance until it submits to the truth 
and it is gentle and soft with the rest of the creation. What does this mean? The Sheikh explains, he says, that the nature of food, drink, and clothing, and, 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 and all these other things, drink, food and drink, and having relations with women, all these things are such that because they are pleasures, because they are bounties, a person kind of inherits a sense of highness and greatness and insolence. And especially if people are wealthy and, and rich and they, have, they, are, they are able to you know, indulge in these affairs more so than other people, it naturally brings about a feeling of you know, al-batar, like type of um, uh, privilege and arrogance and you know like as if you have more than other people and uh, this is just the nature of, of of the soul you these feelings develop and we know this we can see this from if you look at the the, the richest wealthiest of the people and how they are also the most arrogant of people right and the fact that they can indulge in all types of food all types of drink all types of pleasures right just the mere experience of these pleasures it, it makes a person inherit a sense of you know uh, pride and arrogance and entitlement and privilege and this is something whereby the soul now is going off track it's going off track and so fasting is a means to stop that soul in its track and to smash it and to break it and to bring it back down into humility right and so this is another wisdom behind uh, behind uh, fasting and uh, the sheikh says this is because the soul because it is in need of these things it preoccupies itself in pursuing these things you know in livelihood in food in drink in pleasures and when it achieves these things when the soul achieves these things like wealth pleasure food drink housing car this and so on and so forth it feels that it has been successful and it kind of inwardly rejoices and this is what leads to kind of like achievement arrogant you know that kind of that kind of way of thinking and this then will lead it to its uh, uh, destruction so this is the sixth wisdom behind fasting it is to smash the soul and to bring it back down into its humility and uh, you know to submit to the truth and also to be gentle and humble with the creation and not to look down upon others who are less privileged right who uh, don't have the same wealth as you right who don't enjoy the same food and drink as you right it is to smash the soul and bring it down and make it uh, humble the seventh wisdom behind fasting is that we know that in the blood of the son of Adam that the shaitan, the shayateen they, they flow in the blood of the son of Adam فَإِنَّ الشَّيْطَانِ يَجْرِي مِنْ ابْنِ آدَمْ مَجْرَ الدَّمْ For indeed shaitan, he flows through the son of Adam like, like, like the blood flows in him So fasting, what fasting does is fasting, it restricts and it narrows this down by way of hunger and thirst and as a result as, as a result of this the shaitan is unable to find 
the pathway or the, or the route in which to flow in the son of Adam. Right? So this, this is also the wisdom behind uh, fasting. So basically fasting, what it does, <coughs> it subdues shaitan and the whispering and it also destroys the uh, desire. So you feel that the, 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 the desire for lusts and pleasures, they are contained and they are extinguished by way of fasting. And that's why in the hadith, the messenger of Allah, he said, speaking to the youth, O youth, ya ma'ashar al-shabab, whoever amongst you is able to marry, then let him marry. For indeed, it is better for uh, you know, chastity and uh, for, 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 the, for the lowering the gaze and for chastity. And whoever is not able to, then upon him is to fast, because in that for him is a like a like a wijah, meaning that it is it's it's like a weakening of the desire. Fasting weakens the desire, the shahwa, and this is because in the son of Adam, as Ibn Taymiyyah explained, we have been given three strengths and three powers, right? Three strengths, three powers. We have been given the intellectual power, the intellectual power. We have been given the uh, the the power of anger rage and anger is is a power and we've been given the carnal power right which is the sexual desire and the sexual power these three things can be corrupted and uh, these three things are mentioned in the statement of allah azawajal uh, as ibn Tiri mentions uh, Right, he, uh, Allah is describing the believers, those who do not associate another God, another deity with Allah. So this is Tawheed, not committing shirk. Right, those who commit shirk, those who fall into shirk, this is a corruption of the intellect. This is the intellect gone wrong. How can you worship that which does not create or provide or benefit or harm? Right, so this is a corruption of the intellect. The intellect is, uh, is gone. And likewise, the, those who do not uh, kill someone, right? Those who, who basically out of rage or anger, they go and kill someone. This is now the rage and the anger which has gone beyond its bounds. Right? And then thirdly, wala yaznun, who do not commit adultery or fornication. This is now the sexual desire gone beyond its bounds. Right? So these are three faculties or strengths Allah has given to, to, to man, the intellectual power, the power of, of anger and the power of you know, the, the, the carnal uh, desire. So what fasting does, what fasting does, it, it breaks and smashes uh, the, the, the anger and it smashes the sexual lust and it also, as we've seen in other wisdoms, it purifies and makes the heart and the mind to be uh, free and occupied to be able to think clearly and uh, properly. So this is the seventh wisdom the Sheikh mentions, that it is to prevent a person from being overtaken. Uh, shaitan flows in the blood and he incites and stimulates either the anger, the anger or the shahwa, the desire. The eighth and final benefit that the Sheikh mentions, he says, وَمِنْ حِكَمِ السِّيَامِ 
ما يترتب عليه من الفوائد الصحية التي تحصل بتقليل بتقليل الطعام وإراحة جهاز الحدم لمدة معينة وترصب بعد الرطوبات والفضلات الضارة بالجسم وغير ذلك. So the final and last benefit is what a wisdom behind fasting is what arises from fasting of health benefits of health benefits and we mentioned this the sheikh mentioned this right at the very end of the health benefits and this is because uh, when you reduce the amount of food and you give your digestive faculties some rest for a specific period of time and you allow the excess build up of excess you know uh, excess uh, waste and excess uh, things in, in in your body you allow them to be removed which could be harmful to your body then this in itself is a benefit and a wisdom and the sheikh says how great and mighty is the wisdom of allah and far reaching it is in in how beneficial it is you know to to his creation so this obviously now is speaking of the physical benefits of fasting and you know we as muslims this this is mentioned at number 8 Number one is at-taqarrubu ilallah. This is right at the very end. Number eight. We don't think about health benefits of fasting. We think about nearness to Allah, at-taqwa, right, and so on and so forth. And this, you see, you see nowadays, you see that the non-Muslims, you always have these uh, fads and you have these diets, and you, and every now and then there's there's a new diet. And now, for for many years, they're on this uh, intermittent fasting, you know, fasting. A certain period of the day, and uh, the two seven fasting fast two days in a week, and and even some of them they they go on the media and they say that this is what the Prophet Muhammad did. You know, he was a very a very smart man and a genius man, and he used to fast two days because they are only thinking uh, like like in terms of, of of the world, right? Ya'lamuna zahiran min dunya, Right? They know only the outward affairs of the world, but of the hereafter they are heedless. So this is what they speak of. They speak of, and then they mention all of like the benefits of fasting, that when you fast, there is a process called you know, autophagy, or however you pronounce it. But basically what it means is that when you fast, all of the dead and sick cells that might be in all parts of your body, they are basically mopped up, and cleaned up and devoured and prepared for expulsion, right? So it, it, it kind of gets all of the debris and things which are in your body and expels it. So you feel healthier, you feel, you know. And so there's, we could go on and on and on and on and mention so many different benefits, but is that really what motivates a believer? No, we are not motivated by, these are just simply the benefits that we accrue, right? As a result of uh, obedience to Allah obedience to his messenger this is a wisdom and it's a benefit but this is not what what motivates us uh, at all so uh, this is benefit number eight and as i said as you can see many of these wisdoms are to do with um, uh, purifying the soul purifying the heart purifying the mind making it unoccupied uh, so it is able to think more clearly and to remember Allah and so on and so forth. There are some really beautiful statements from the Salaf in this respect. 
as it relates to food in general. And as you know, food and health are connected. And if anything that we can take away from, from uh, these narrations, inshallah, is, you know, is, is to realize that most of our illnesses and ailments that we complain about, it returns back to food. Either too much of it or the wrong type of it. So Amr bin al-Khattab, radiyallahu anhu, he says, he said, O mankind, ayyuhannas, iyakum walbitana min al-ta'am. O people, beware of greed and gluttony when it comes to food. For indeed, it is something that makes you lazy for the prayer. And it is something that corrupts the body. And it makes you inherit sickness. For indeed, Allah Zawajal, for indeed, Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, He does not like the person, uh, you know, Hibr as Samin. The one who is uh, overweight. وَلَكِنْ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْقَصْدِ فِي قُوتِكُمْ Rather upon you is to be moderate, to be balanced in your provision. For indeed it is more closer to rectification and it is further away from extravagance and ex- you know, uh, excess. And it is stronger for you in the worship of Allah. And indeed a people or a servant does not perish until he prefers his desire over his religion. The statement of Uthman bin Affan anhu, about him, it is said that he used to prepare food for the people like the food of chiefs and leaders. Then he would go and enter his own house and eat uh, and consume uh, vinegar and olive oil. Right, so he'd prepare a feast for the people, then he'd leave that and come back to his house and consume just maybe a bit of bread with a bit of olive oil and a bit of uh, vinegar. Right, so obviously he's doing that because he knows something. He knows something. He's honoring the people, obviously, but he knows something. So that's why he's suffering with, you know, a uh, simple, basic uh, food. From Ali radiallahu anhu who said, Ahlak ibn Adam. Al-Ajwafan, Al-Batan, Wal-Faraj. Two cavities have destroyed the son of Adam, which is the stomach and the private parts. And um, we have the statement also uh, from Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, who said that I have never eaten to the full since I accepted Islam. I have never eaten a full stomach since I accepted Islam. And... Also, uh, Abdullah bin Adi, who is the Mawla of Abdullah bin Umar, uh, he came from Iraq, and he came and he brought with him some herbs. Some herbs. And he said, uh, you know, he said to uh, Ibn Umar, I I give as a gift to you this. So, he said, what is this? He said, some herbs. Some herbs, they help to, uh, you know, improve the digestion. It helped to improve the digestion. So Ibn Umar said, I have never eaten to the full for 40 years, so what am I going to do with this? Why, why do I need your herbs for digestion? I don't, I don't eat to the full anyway. I don't need the herbs. Also, the statement uh, from Al-Hasan, uh, Al-Basri, rahimahullah, he said, okay, this might, 
I don't know whether I should really say this one because it might offend some people. You know, uh, you know, it used to be basically, it used to be. لَقَدْ كَانَ الْمُسْلِمُ أَنْ يُقَالَ لَهُ إِنَّكَ لَبَطِينَ. I'll leave it at that. And also the statement of uh, Abu Sulaiman, Abu Allah. We also have the statement of Abu Suleiman, rahimahullah. <coughs> he said, "Ida aradta hajatan min hawaaj dunya wal akhirah, fala taqul hatta taqdiha, fa inna al akal yuqayyurul yuqayyurul akal." When you have a need from the needs of the world and the hereafter, some issue that you need to fulfil, then do not eat until you have completed it, because indeed. Food alters the intellect. Food alters the intellect. Right? These are statements from the Salaf from 1400 years ago. And, you know, we know now that different types of food, they affect the gut, and the gut affects the brain, and then, you know, uh, it affects your moods, and this other. The scholars are speaking about this centuries ago. And likewise, Yusuf bin Asbat, rahimahullah, he said, Al-Jur, hunger, it, uh, it softens the heart. It softens the heart. And from Asari bin Yan'am, rahimahullah, he said, it, it has been said, Ma taju'u abdun, illa abdalallah, illa abdalallahu, makana ju'ihi, 
hikmatan wa waraan that no servant experiences hunger except that Allah replaces for him for that hunger wisdom and wara meaning fear of you know fear of Allah wa yuqal wa kana yuqal al-ju' shi'arul anbiya was salihin right to go hungry or to be hungry is the shi'ar it's the you know it's the sign or the symbol of the prophets and of the righteous and from al Hussein bin Abdurrahman rahimahullah he said kana yuqal kathratu at-ta'am tamitu al-qalb kama anna kathrata al-ma' tamitu al-zar' he said excessive food kills the heart just like excessive water kills the vegetation right so we know we know that vegetation plants they need water but if you give too much water it will kill the plant the same is with food the food is the same to you likewise the statement um abdul aziz bin abi rawad rahimahullah who said it used to be said qillatu at-ta'am awnun ala at-tasarru'i fil khayrat little food aids a person in hastening towards good deeds and finally abu suleiman ad-darani again he said inna an-nafs idha ja'at wa atishat safa al-qalb wa when a person when a soul is hungry and thirsty the heart becomes pure and it becomes gentle and soft and when it is full satiated with food and with drink then the heart becomes you know the heart becomes blinded in fact also a statement from uh, imam shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala and he said i have never eaten to the full in 16 years except once i never ate to the full in 16 years except once and even then i put my hand into my my mouth in order to be sick to expel it because being full makes the body to be heavy and lethargic and it hardens the heart and it puts an it ends your uh, perspicacity right you you are sharp you're mentally sharp it puts an end to that and it brings about sleep and it weakens you from worship and uh al marwazi rahimahullah said that imam ahmed rahimahullah he used to you know being hungry al-ju' wal-faqr being hungry and poverty was something that he used to consider to be a, a great affair and it was said to him is a man rewarded for abandoning his desires meaning for food and drink he said how can he not be rewarded how can he not be rewarded when ibn umar when when ibn umar said i have not eaten to the full for four months so i said to abi abdullah uh, imam ahmed um, does a man find in his heart gentleness when he is full 
He says, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't see that. And... Yeah, inshallah, we can, we can conclude on that. These are some statements from uh, the companions and the salaf on the issue of uh, food. And truly, if, you, if, we, if we followed the guidance of the Messenger of Allah and ate only till we feel full or till we feel sufficient, then the majority of the diseases or the illnesses would, would disappear. In fact, this has been said by some of the salaf on the basis of that hadith that if the if the people acted upon this hadith, all of the pharmacies, all of the chemists, all of the hospitals would be would be closed. Right? Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali mentions this narration in his explanation of the 40 hadith and the additional 10 hadith that he brings, from which is the hadith about the stomach. So, uh, as a recap, inshallah ta'ala, uh, fasting, uh, there are numerous uh, wisdoms uh, behind fasting, and from them... Uh, is first and foremost is seeking nearness to Allah Azza wa Jal at-taqarrub ila Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also from them is um, uh, the taqwa of Allah Azza wa Jal to um, be pious to be pious also from them is that it uh, frees the heart it removes the heart from all the you know preoccupations and um, you know all of the uh, distractions also it makes a person remember the bounty of Allah upon him and to be more generous also it is something by which he dominates and controls his soul he gains mastery over his soul likewise it clears his mind and heart for al-fikr and al-dhikr to remember and to, to think clearly it also has benefits health and medical benefits as, as, as we've seen so Obviously, when a believer understands the wisdoms, then his desire and his firmness in doing that act of worship increases. Right? And these are issues which have been clearly mentioned in the Quran and in the Sunnah that the Shaykh has derived for us. And as we said, we take the balanced path that where there are wisdoms which can be known, observed, and which can be derived, then to learn them and to know them it gives a person more firmness in doing his acts of worship. Right? It gives him more firmness. So it's something that is desirable that we know and understand the wisdoms behind the commands in the Sharia, whether it's fasting, whether it's prayer, whether it's you know all the other things. This is something praiseworthy, something that we pursue. But keeping in mind that we are incapable of knowing all of the wisdoms and many things are going to escape us and that does not prevent us from obedience to our Lord and fulfilling these obligations and these commands. So with that we'll conclude. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.